pull my pants. Wow. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have to cut that last part out. No, <laughs> keep it, keep it. Uh, so, so, so we were tracking this one. First off, I, I would like to note that the company that was broken into, Kronos, mm-hmm. their secure online cloud was broken into. So, yeah. if you name your product secure, <laughs> yeah, is it really be really secure? Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches, where we cover five of the most interesting data breaches from this last week, and one of our favorite bourbons. I'm Steve. Divya. Frank. Jerry. Paul. Paul. Howdy, I'm Shu. Hey guys, I'm Tom. Jerry, go again. This is Jerry. Paul. Howdy, I'm Sue. I guess we, I thought we were all doing it again. Supposed <laughs> to go in order. I agree, I agree. We should do it all. Okay. I was after, I was after Frank. That's all good, yes. that's all good. We're good. Yes, but you've got bad internet in Florida there, Jerry. I do? Yeah, there was a delay. Hey, Divya, really? what's the first hey, story of this week? What'd you say, Sue? <laughs> Everyone, the first story of this evening on BNB is um, Inside TrickBot, which is a malware group out of Russia. And uh, we we have like leaked conversations. So Inside TrickBot, Russia's notorious ransomware gang. There were internal messages that were shared. And, uh, you know, TrickBot's notorious for targeting hospitals because they know that, you know, they're going to be... Uh, reaching out to people faster and with the whole COVID situation. So what do you guys have to say about like the leak uh, chatter? I, I love the feel of this because I think of TrickBot as just a company in the dark economy, right? It's a ransomware group. It's a, it's a dark corporation. This has the feel of like internal emails getting leaked. You know, like mm-hmm. when, when the DNC got hacked and we saw all the inner workings, it feels like, oh no, they're gonna see all of our internal hacker memos. Um, I find it uh, hilarious for anyone that would believe a ransomware gang says we're not going to attack critical infrastructure. And even though it's evil that as a different gang, like, you know, they're all kind of related. This is one that specifically targeted critical infrastructure. Well, they targeted it because they paid faster, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, exactly. like, oh, go after hospitals mm-hmm. because like when we hack a hospital, they immediately give us money. So let's do more of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, so even though a, a criminal says I'm not going to do it, don't trust the criminal. But it's not even a criminal. It's the, hey, this worked and it's dummy shit and we're going to do it anyway. We'll do more of it. If you, right. And so that's actually a, a really good learning experience for all of us. I love the way they, they talked about how these guys are actually, you know, they're just working with other ransomware distribution partners with Conti and Rayuk and our evil. And, you know, they're just like, they're, they're pragmatic. They want as much business as possible. They're cranking it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cozy Bear, they mentioned. Another thing I found very interesting with this was that uh, we've talked about this before is how 
is how these uh, ransomware gangs operate as businesses. They have affiliates um, and it's very professional. And this article goes on about how the org structure of a ransomware gang, there's managers, there's directors. It's like a regular business. They have a channel program. And Salesforce accounts. They have uh, commissions. You can earn a certain amount of commission by doing certain crimes. Yeah. Like, and, and if you perform well, you remain an affiliate. And if you don't, you're gone. I mean, no cap on commissions. So <laughs> attacking, uh, attacking hospitals is, is a really low thing to do. Um, I mean, even the mafia knows that. Uh, I think that we treated this topic before. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, hospitals are a desirable target because of the reaction it generates, especially when there are uh, lives at stakes. Uh, you know, um, there was a gang who said they didn't ever target hospitals. Uh, I don't remember which one right now. Uh, I'm not saying they are cool guys, but at least they seem to have some sense of conscience or remorse. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Uh, now, this is just pure childish evil. <laughs> um, they just want the money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there are some limits Honor I, I don't think there are limits anymore not with i don't either type of stuff not anymore yeah they just want the yeah. money number two so for story number two um once again this is another hospital and this is from houston so houston represent um but over six thousand memorial herman patients information leaked oh my god there's data breach vendors and, uh, you know, patients' uh, data was leaked after contractor contracted vendors said they had a security breach. They announced it on Tuesday, and approximately 6,200 people are affected. What do you guys have to say? Well, you're from Houston, so what do you have to say about this? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts and concerns, because, like, my, my parents have been to, like, Memorial Hermann, and it's very concerning that you know, their information might be out there. And that since like I've lived with my parents in Houston, I might be affected too in one way or the other. But that's what like people don't think about like breaches in the sense of like a network of situations happening. But this is uh, pretty tough. And uh, with, you know, like we discussed in our previous story, it was related to like a medical um, uh, field. And it was like related to how hackers were targeting but, like hospitals, same things happening over here. So I, I think the biggest problem here is even if your hospital doesn't get hit with ransomware, if your information gets leaked, your medical information, there's almost nothing you can do about it, mm -hmm. right? There's no medical fraud detection system. The only way for you to detect medical fraud is for you to ask every hospital or clinic you've ever been to for your patient records and then keep asking like every six months and look for differences, right? Uh, that there's no good system in place for, for medical identity theft. For medical what? Medical identity theft. What's important to know about hospitals working in one for a while is that they at the end of the day, they are not technology companies, but they are handling a lot of data. 
on a lot of hospitals these days, they talk a lot about doing stuff with the data analytics, predictive care, things like that. That's data being passed around, but very few hospitals actually have the resources in-house to do this. So they do use a lot of contractors. And when you do that, it raises the risk. Well, yeah, it's the, case with the, le the leverage of third parties. They, they're totally exposed by 10 or 20 or 30 third parties. And then when they're asked, they say, yeah, but we don't think any personal customer patient information has been exposed. It's patently false, right? I wouldn't when, trust that. <laughs> when did that come out? When did that uh, come out in the news? So this was written on February 8th, but updated on February 10th. And uh, I'm pretty sure this happened like a while ago when they found out that so, reached. So we, we potentially could have been identified that way before they were breached. Way before. 2021 is when they were aware of suspicious activity. So yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that happens often. If this was a ransomware gang, we would know about it from the ransomware gang six months before anything gets an official source. And uh, even if it's not posted by a ransomware gang, if September's when the data was accessed, mm -hmm. we're in February. Yeah. So that's a good amount of time, almost six months of time where you can commit fraud and you would have no idea that someone had your information to commit fraud, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, the, the, the whole system's broken, disclosures are broken, and then uh, your ways of protecting yourself from medical fraud are broken. And Steve, uh, when would we know? I mean, so we have access to some of this. When would we know? Yeah, we, I mean, we would know as soon as a ransomware gang disclosed it, right? So we, we often get information directly from Conti, Lockbit, 60 other ransomware gangs, and they'll disclose who they've broken into on a darknet site, and we'll have it right then. But it, it, takes, it takes literally half a year for some companies to file with an official source before the consumer knows. And so that, that's a big part of the problem is consumers are always the last to know, but they're also the ones with the most to risk. And the most to lose, right. If, if they even live in a state that requires disclosure, there are some states that don't even require it, but that requires only from like 30 to 45, 90, six months. It all varies, it all depends. And, and, and the people that live in states that don't, that, that don't require disclosures, they're, the only way they can really protect themselves is if they're monitoring states that do, right? So, so everyone monitors Montana right, of all places. And the reason is Montana wrote their laws super strict. And they said, hey, if there may be like 10 Montanians that are impacted by a breach, then you have to let us know, right? And so Montana gets information that states like Texas and California don't. California has a disclosure law, Texas also does, but uh, it, it's all about how the laws are written. Okay. All right. Break. With that, we'll take a bourbon break. So oh, now we're talking. Today we are drinking Treaty Oak Ghost Hill Texas bourbon. This is 
obviously a bourbon from Texas. Uh, it's just down the road in Dripping Springs, Texas. Uh, I've been to Treaty Oak. I did not try their bourbon when I was there. They also brew beer. And then uh, they're actually known more for their rum. So uh, I've been seeing them in the uh, bourbon Texas groups that I'm in. Uh, some people were seeking out this bottle in particular, so I, I wanted to give it a try. Uh, and Divya can tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, guys. So um, I actually drove by Treaty Oak uh, the other day, and this one is the this one is the 100% grain to glass Texas bourbon, and it's called the Ghost Hill Texas bourbon. And the mash bill is 57% corn. 32% wheat, 11% barley. Named after our 28-acre ranch home in Dripping uh, Springs, Ghost Hill Bourbon is a unique whiskey made with local heirloom grains from Barton Springs Mill. Um, when we go to Total Wine, it is $44 for the 750 mil. And Steve, how do you feel about this? So, so I find this bourbon... Uh, it reminds me of Garrison Brothers. Now, some people love Garrison Brothers. Garrison Brothers is another Texas bourbon. Uh, their bourbon and Garrison Brothers is about 70% corn. Um, I don't know if they source the corn from the same place, but I get this, this distinctly corny flavor to it. So I don't love this bourbon I, I, I guess if you love corn, then this would be a great bourbon for you. Or if you really like Garrison Brothers and you can't find it, this would be a, a pretty good bourbon for you. But like, I don't get grain. I, I get alcohol and then I get just this, like it's corn aggressive or corn forward. So I think it's worth a try. Um, you know, I would, I would think of Treaty Oak as I, as I thought of uh, Still Austin, right? Still Austin, I started off not really liking it. Uh, then I had their cask strength and it was great. There, there's still a, a relatively young distillery. And this is, I think, one of their only bottles that they actually distill themselves. They have several other bottles where they source the, 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 the distillate, the, the alcohol from another uh, distillery. So. I would say try this again in maybe two years um, and see if it gets any better. Uh, it's only aged for two ah, years. Ah. No, really, it, it's aged for two years. It's, it's a young distillery. I can see what they're going for. If you like corn, try it. Uh, I have a question. Yeah, but, but I would also say like, you know, maybe in two years, four years, check their stuff out and, and see if, it, uh, if it's to your liking. So question is, Texas corn, like a specific kind of taste or it's just aggressively corny? I don't know what, what is going on, but if you try this and you try Garrison Brothers and then you try any Kentucky whiskey, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get very different corn flavors. I don't know. I don't know what's different about Texas corn, but like, uh, a Kentucky bourbon, even a, a Kentucky bourbon with, with a lot of corn in it, mm -hmm. the corn sort of mellows out with age. Um, I think that the Texas corns become more aggressive. 
Like the only way, like if you want to just put your head in a popcorn machine oh. at an AMC theater, you, you ah, sort ah, of like, AMC, flavor, right? Like, like, like it's not like the corn goes away. The corn, and it's it's a lingering finish. Yeah, it is. It stays with you. I continue to taste corn as I'm talking about the corn that I'm tasting. Yeah. Great. It wasn't terrible. It was it was okay. It was not bad. But and again, like I said, you know they. Yeah. You've been around for 15 years. You've had a chance to like know what you're doing here. Yeah. Like, how does how does corn how does corn affect proof rate? It it doesn't. It, it's it all doesn't. about the flavor. It's the sugar. Yeah. It, it's it's flavor. Like balco like balco one of the higher proof balconies back in the day was like you drink it and it is like going to your local AMC theater watching the latest greatest hits. So my only question is, doesn't corn come from Iowa though? Everywhere. 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 Kentucky, Iowa, wherever. Got it. Yeah. Corn growing back over here, man. (laughs) All right. All right. We're moving on now, boys. Uh, Moving on to story number three. This one is um, about uh, Puma. And they were hit by a data breach after the whole Kronos uh, ransomware attack. And uh, the data breach notification filled with several attorney general's uh, offices earlier this month says the attackers also stole personal information belonging to Puma employees. So what do you guys have to say about this story? And do you think the employees are Puma fans? Wow. (laughs) I feel like we're going to have to cut that last part out. Keep it, keep it. So, so, so we were tracking this one. First off, I, I would like to note that the company that was broken into, Kronos, mm-hmm. their secure online cloud was broken into. So, yeah. if you name your product <laughs> secure, <laughs> yeah, is it really it be really secure? Using firewalls, so, MFA, and encrypted transmission. I find firewalls, it, no way. Oh, firewalls. I find it interesting that the secure cloud could be broken into and all the data stolen. So clearly not sandboxing any of it, right? Uh, the other, clearly not secure. <laughs> the, the other point is, is uh, we, we were tracking this and I knew that Puma got broken into because all these files were, were leaked. And I started seeing Puma like everywhere. And I was like, did Puma get broken into? What is this, right? Um, so, you know, it, it's the sad fact of uh, trusting third parties, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they trusted a secure cloud and sadly that didn't work out for them. And you saw this data like, I assume when it was released in December, and here we are in mid-February. Yeah, where it was it's true. Closed. Your I'm pretty sure I, I read a Kronos statement saying they didn't hold any personal information from third parties, and now this comes out. Like Puma was notified like a month after the Kronos breach. It's crazy. Well, they they always say that. Lawyers write these statements yeah. saying. We do not believe that any personal data was exposed, but, but that's such a legal statement. Crock of shit. Yeah, 
I don't believe that we're committing any crimes, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, uh, uh, but but Frank, you just like said alternative you, facts. For, Frank, you just said that Kuma themselves, the customers of Chromos, were notified like at least a month after the month? breach. Yeah, right. they right. were even the customers, and they had to wait a month to be. And notified. we could have told them in a day or two. Yeah, right. I was I was breached. Oh my God! Oh, oh Jerry! Whoa, whoa, Jerry! Fuckers are in your clothing. Where are the pants? That's lots <laughs> of prayers, Jerry. <laughs> number four. Hey guys, story number four coming in hot uh, from Russia, and uh, the Russian government apparently continues crackdown on cyber criminals. They have been seizing websites left and right, and like mostly like the most common one is sky fraud. Uh, Steve, I know you have some hot takes about this topic, so please present them right now. So 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 this is this is great, obviously. Taking down uh, criminal forms is great, but we're also in a lot of those forms. So when I read one of these articles, my first thought is did they take down like my forms, the forms that I like where we can, you know, spy on hackers. And so I went through the article and uh, none of my forms were in there. And so great, you, you did it, Russia. Those are all the forms. There are no more forms. Thank you for taking down those bad forms. Very appreciate. <laughs> you, you got all the Russian forms. There's no other Russian forms. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. We have no clue. The lesson here is, at the end of the day, if you're a ransomware gang or any criminal gang operating under the charter of the government at any time, the charter, the government can say, this charter is null and void and you are acceptable. Cut. Fred. Hey, hey, Frank, are there any other Russian forms? Oh. There are that are active, do not talk. Uh, we, we don't need to know. Hey, Frank, are there any other Russian forms? No. You think? No. Wait, is Frank muted? I can't hear Frank. No, I can't hear him either. Oh, sorry, I was muted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I picture lots of new forums popping out like, like the heads of the Hydra. I mean, I, I hate, to be, hate to be pessimistic. Well, I, I actually like it, but I wouldn't consider uh, this like a real progress against cybercrime. <laughs> Sure. Um, I mean, at least not like the actual arrests against, uh, I, I guess it was uh, rebel members, like it happened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, there at least we could discuss if they were real members or just scapegoats, because uh, I'm sure gangs must have their own honeypots too. <laughs> but uh, with a couple of seized sites, I don't really feel like they're cutting through. What do you think, guys? Yeah, unless this comes with arrests, I mean, hackers can just build a new form. They all just use PHP BB and they'll just boot up a new PHP BB, so. PHP BB is so good. And why, why do they make a, a show of cooperating with our government? I, I, don't, I don't get that part because they want the downfall of our government, right? I mean, they're about to invade a country 
and they're saying screw you to us. So why do they care about cooperating with our government? Well, because because they could be very easily seen as the country that allows cybercrime to flourish. Oh, but if if they if they take down a few forms, then they're the good guys, right? Like, oh, we took down the criminal. It was a nest of evil, and we killed it. Yeah. They have a halo. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Putin with a halo. Yeah, baby. It actually I still believe this has this trickles up to higher geopolitical uh uh dances, like you said, Paul. Um, I think it does. Who knows what it is though? But uh yeah, I think this whole thing, like regarding re evil, if they arrest a uh, like Frank said, if they arrested a few a few affiliates, who cares? Yeah. Right. Call, wake me up when they arrest actual actual members and leadership yeah i wonder how many of these actions are, are due to an actual uh like power dispute or and which ones are just a scenery for for the crowds yep right uh, that's the point to me i would add on and i know i'm just a salesman <laughs> encounter with that it's not just what's going to happen this is inevitable that that ukraine and russia is more cyber than not and that people are testing it out like this is a test like hey does this work and we all know it but how are we doing it and how are we being front foot because that's the hardest part how are we front foot most people are back foot so right. taking advantage whether it's uh malevolent or not is is kind of what i'm curious about and i think that that is going to be a use case that we need to uh, uncover. I just want to say huh? that the Russian government left a message behind. I'm going to share my screen for this real quick. And it's like, they left it in the source code and they're like, <laughs> which one of you is next? And they put like a little policeman emoji. I thought it was very cute. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> good, good emoji game, <laughs> Russian government. It's kind of like, like how like Red Square Gangs have like those Christmas yeah. hats. Ru Russian, uh, Russian police, you are on fleek. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, the the answer is once you are no longer useful to the Russian government, you are next. They already know. Allegedly. 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 Yeah. So I've heard. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that. I did <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, moving on to the last story of the evening. Favorite story of the month in the last probably year as well. But um, this is not really ransomware, but the Justice Department seizes $3.6 billion in Bitcoin and arrests married couple who were conspiring to launder Bitcoin that was stolen in 2016 from Hong Kong based Bitfinex. Um, I do want to point out that the lady and like, you know, the woman in the, in the couple who was arrested did have huh. that video that you're kind of like a fan of. Uh, do, you, do you want to show the, the rap video? Just a little clip? Just yes. a little clip? Uh, okay, yeah. But so this is her. She's the gator of Wall Street. Oh, God. She's um, a joker. <laughs> this ain't me. But anyway, I just wanted to show a little clip over there and- uh... All right, uh, so the facts are that a man and a woman uh, 
who ended up in possession of $4 billion worth of Bitcoin. Uh, they may not have stolen it. They probably didn't steal it, but they ended up in the possession of it. They were laundering it or attempting to while living in New York City. I know. In the United States of America, making rap videos about how rich they are. How stupid can you be? Okay, so there's a few problems with that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna boil it down to this. If you steal four billion dollars and you remain inside the United States, what do you think's gonna happen? If you remain visible on, on Earth. Like there's 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 several things along the way. Like most dumb criminals don't steal money and then make a rap video of it, right? Or get break back into prison. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We might be missing a point here. The the I'm taking a look at the article and it says Mrs. Lichtenstein defines herself in her LinkedIn uh profile as an irreverent comedic rapper. So <laughs> this could be a total new kind of social engineering here. I am just I I don't understand how you could be in possession of four billion dollars worth you. of stolen Bitcoin and still be in the US. I, I it blows my mind. Mm -hmm. If that's uh, where that's where the irreverent comedic rap I want to know. I, I want to know where it's going to go now. You are terminally since the, has, since the U.S. has it now. Where? How's that going? Where are they going to do with it? They 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 were able to capture 3.6 billion of it, so there's still 0.9 billion boom, 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 boom. that uh, was unaccounted for, and they will eventually auction it off, and then I don't know buy it up. 10 million tanks or something. I don't know what you do with that money. So that means the government has a, a, an account with uh, Bitcoin. Somewhere. Yeah, which means someone can theory, In theory, someone can what? So the lesson here is if you're going to do, if you're looking to money launder, don't money launder in New York City. Go to like the Ozarks or something. Just come to Tom uh, Sheen. Yeah. Or how about if you have 4 billion in stolen stuff, Keep a low profile and be quiet. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't be in and the they, U.S. Exactly. Go to a country where cybercrime is legal, yeah. right? Yeah. And they don't have bourbon. Get back to Ukraine. Distillery. It's, like, it's Ukraine, not the Ukraine. And, uh, and I find it interesting mm -hmm. that I find it interesting <laughs> that they, they were attempting. So they got caught because they were attempting to launder 4.5 billion in Bitcoin. Yeah. But they kept it in Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Like they didn't turn it into a privacy coin like Monero. They didn't turn it into Ethereum and buy NFTs with it. They, right. They, they kept they it in Bitcoin. The they tried to launder it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do or do not. There is no try. If you fail at trying, then many, many things have gone wrong. Well, all they had to do is transfer it off the blockchain. They would have been good, like Steve said, moving it into these different, you know, different. <laughs> So this has been an episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches. If you liked what you saw today, good for you. <laughs> Come back for more. If you hated everything you saw today, please like, uh, comment, and subscribe. <laughs>
if you have a bourbon or a breach you'd like us to cover, you can contact us and we'll do that. <laughs> Next time. Bye.